All right. Well, hey, everybody, thanks for tuning in to the latest Music Industry 360. Today's podcast is going to be about an exciting, awesome topic, one of the most groundbreaking topics of all time, taxes, which is always a fun one. Uh, I'm being joined here by a close friend, someone I've known for a couple of years now, if not more than a couple of years, uh, Patrick Murtha, who's a CPA based out of Tampa, Florida. And uh, today we're just going to give you, you know, as much feedback as we possibly can around taxes, preparation, things that, you know, musicians, artists, uh, record labels, and so forth need to be thinking about um, as it comes to tax time, since that is near. <clears throat> this won't necessarily be direct financial advice. Um, so we encourage you to discuss any questions you may have with, you know, an accountant like Patrick or anyone else close to you or where you're based and so forth. But before we get into the topic of taxes, let's get to know Patrick, the man, the guy behind <laughs> the the number crunching. So Patrick, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, what you do for a living and, and also a little bit about your uh, your music uh, side as well. Yeah, sure, Jorge. Uh, thanks, first of all, for having having me. It's, uh, I love, I love uh, you know, being able to talk about taxes. I don't know if I appreciate the sarcasm initially about the topic because I do personally find, you know, taxes to be extremely exciting. Um, <laughs> But well, not really. But it's but it's what I do. Um, so yeah, uh, my dad and I started our practice um, about ten years ago. Um, so we do tax consulting. We also do a lot of business consulting. Um, I think as you're as you're aware. So we help people tax plan. We help people sell their businesses. We help people value their businesses. Um, and we work with a lot of we work with a lot of different artists actually. So we work with some music artists. Uh, we have a, we have several actually. Um, YouTube and live streaming type, um, you know, entertain entertainment professionals that we work with as well. So we're pretty familiar with uh, working with, you know, creative type people um, who often need, you know, a lot of help because, you know, the left brain, right brain thing, um, we kind of help bridge that, bridge that connection. Um, so yeah, we've been doing it for, for quite a while now and uh, definitely uh, think we can, you know, just have some good discussion here. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again for <clears throat> joining us and making time and so forth. So obviously we've just been, you know, we're kind of hopefully near the end of the pandemic, <clears throat> the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. So the first question is, is the tax deadline <clears throat> the same as usual this year or has it been extended by any chance? It did actually get extended similar to what, what happened in 2020. Um, so the individual deadline, so that's 1040s, uh, form 1040 has been extended to May 17th. Um, so a little, uh, about a month uh, is what they gave, is what the IRS gave us. Um, it only applies to individual 1040s. So if you have uh, corporate returns uh, they have to file or partnership returns that you file, those deadlines all remain the same. So if you're an S corp, if you're a partnership, those were actually due uh, March 15th. Um, so if you, you know, if you didn't have it done by then, you should you should have had those tax returns filed for an extension, um, which would get you to September. Um, but for the individual returns, which most independent uh, artists are going to probably file their 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 income 100 percent on 1040, which means most people are, are extended until until May 15th or awesome. May 17th. That's good. A little bit more time doesn't hurt. That's for sure. Um, you know, because of COVID, a lot of folks were 
obviously cooped up and at home and they were kind of just uh, either making new music or streaming music from home. So when it comes to like an independent musician, is is that something that could be written off? Like the fact that they are sort of using like their home space as part of kind of like how they're earning royalties? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so royalty income, if you are if you are a professional artist, uh, royalty income is business income. Um, and if you have business income and you're self-employed, which is what you would you know be by default in that case, then yes, if your primary place of business is your home, then there are definitely um, some uh, you know deductions that can be taken uh, for the use of your home as your office. Um, there's a couple of different options, which I, I won't necessarily get into very deeply right now, um, but there's kind of a safe harbor option that a, that a lot of my clients will do, which essentially the IRS lets you take uh, $5 per square foot of your home office um, as an annual deduction. And it's called the safe harbor deduction more or less because the IRS doesn't, you know, the IRS kind of allows it. And as long as you're eligible for it, you're, you're very unlikely to get audited. Um, but then there's the actual method, which we recommend for clients of ours who have significant expenses that, that are going to exceed what the safe harbor method allows. Um, in those cases, uh, you're actually deducting the actual expenses related to your home office, but that does require definitely a bigger degree of record keeping and, you know, keep, keeping, keeping your file straight just in case the IRS ever does you know, request your backup information for your deductions there. Got it. And that that's a good good piece of feedback that, that would go into my next question. So what do you recommend that kind of like creators, musicians, et cetera, effectively do during a year to make sure that they're prepped for tax time? Or what are just some general basic best practices that you would recommend? Yeah. So the most important thing is to have, a, have an accounting system, you know, have some kind of system that, yeah, that, you're using as a business owner to track your income as well as your allowable expenses throughout the year. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean you need, you know, QuickBooks or, or a common accounting software like that. Although that is a good solution um, for some people, QuickBooks is just a little too complicated. Um, if, if, if accounting isn't something that you're already somewhat familiar with, then sometimes QuickBooks or, or a system like it, can do more harm than good. Um, so a lot of my clients that are self-employed, that are artists or, or even just, you know, even real estate agents and other types of people that are, that are self-employed, what I'll recommend is just, you know, have a separate bank account that you're running exclusively only your business expenses through that bank account. And then it's much easier at the end of the year, you can just send me your bank statements and say, hey, these are all business expenses. I might have some questions for you when I'm going through it, you know, Hey, what's this? Hey, what's that? You know, so I make sure it's getting categorized the right way, but at minimum having a separate bank account that, that you're running your business expenses through that aren't, that isn't getting mixed up with your personal expenses, you know, trips to the grocery store and stuff like that. Um, that that's kind of the bare minimum that, that really every, you know, self-employed artist should be, should be doing. Got it. What, um, you know, obviously everybody is always concerned about two things, death and taxes. And with taxes, it's all about being compliant. But, you know, what do you think can sort of like trigger an audit or, you know, that's a scary word for a lot of folks whenever they hear that, you know, what are some of the common mistakes that have sort of like led to people being audited or in this case, even musicians? What, what are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, really, the, what, the way the IRS primarily fit, determines who's going to get an audit is they, they use data mining. So what they do is they, uh, when you when you file uh, your business on your 1040, uh, you file what's called a Schedule C in most cases, and uh, or even if you're filing a separate corporate return, like an S-Corp or something like that, you're providing to the IRS uh, a code, basically the NAICS code for your business type. So essentially that's saying, if you're a plumber, you're gonna have a code that says you're a plumber. If you're a performing artist, you're gonna have a code that says you're a performing artist. Um, so what the IRS does is they use data mining uh, computers that will kind of look at the aggregate of all the returns that were filed, you know, that year for that that particular business code, and they will determine what the average, you know, expected percentage should be for you know rent expense or what it should be for meals and entertainment or what it should be for supplies or office uh, expenses. Um, so, so really, you know, it, it's, there's really no, um, you know, hard method to say, Hey, if I do this, I'm not going to get audited. But at the end of the day, because of the way that the IRS selects returns for audit, it's really more about just being reasonable. And, and if you're truthful and reasonable with your expenses, <clears throat> you're not going to have an issue there because it, you know, where I see people get audited, it's almost exclusively, you know, somebody that that took a huge expense that just doesn't make sense for either how much income they're making or just doesn't make sense for what that expense category is. So if I have somebody that, you know, that one of the most common ones that I see is somebody that has a ton of auto expense, you know, they, they wrote off, you know, $30,000 of auto expense, but they only had $50,000 of income. So what they probably did was they probably, you know, either made up that number just out of thin air, or they uh, they they didn't break down their business mileage versus their personal mileage. But what's going to happen is the IRS is going to say, well, eighty percent of your income is going to auto expense, you know, whereas everybody else in the industry, maybe ten percent of their income is going to auto expense. You know, you're you're probably going to get a letter from the IRS in that case, and that letter is going to say, hey, you know, we see that you took just an obscene amount of miles or or auto expense, you know show us your record, show us where you can prove that. And if you can't prove that, then they're probably going to disallow some or all of that expense. Um, but as far as auditing goes, you know, at the end of the day, it's really just about being, if you're truthful and reasonable with your deductions, you're not going to get audited. And if you do, then you're going to be okay because you're going to be able to prove it. Cool. On the topic of deductions, um, I believe that Meals and entertainment for 2021, and I believe even for 2022, will those be um, 100%, you know, write-offs that someone can make? And I'm only saying that because obviously musicians go on the road a lot, um, especially when things open up. So, uh, is that an area that could be beneficial, for, at least for the next couple of years? Yeah. So uh, definitely for 2021, this current year, um, I'm not actually totally sure about 2022. I, I haven't, I haven't seen that, but it's definitely possible. Um, meals entertainment is hundred percent deductible or actually meals are hundred percent deductible entertainment. Um, I believe is still not deductible. Um, it used to got, kind of go hand in hand and treat, be treated the same way. But for the last few years, the IRS has carved out entertainment as an expense altogether. Um, and I believe that's still the case, but for meals, yes, uh, in 2021, 
they're hundred percent deductible. They just have to be business meals. So they have to be meals that were necessary because of travel, or they have to be meals that were, um, you know, part of, uh, you know, part of, part of ordinary business, like taking a client out or taking a, you know, a, a coworker out for lunch and discussing business topics and that kind of thing. As long as it's not, you know, going to, going to gro- the, going to the grocery store or, you know, just having, you know, dinner with your significant other, um, that's totally business, not business related, then yes, it's hundred percent deductible. Got it. And, um, you know, should musicians that, you know, let's say are earning some significant royalties and perhaps are not, you know, incorporated, should they be considering, or are they able to file quarterly estimated taxes? And maybe you can just kind of explain a little bit about quarterly estimated taxes and the benefits and so forth on that. When you're self-employed, you're not getting a W-2. You're not having your uh, your your payroll taxes deducted. You're not having your federal income tax deducted and, and withheld throughout the year. So a lot of people, when they switch from being a, a W-2 employee to being um, a self-employed individual, that's um, you know that that's working on their own and making their own money, uh, tracking their own expenses, that kind of thing. They're not paying any taxes in whatsoever, unless they do estimated taxes, uh, quarterly estimated taxes. So yes, I, I do recommend, um, you know, I do recommend, I, I wouldn't say I necessarily recommend always doing quarterly estimates, at least, you know, for, for artists or then, you know, self-employed people that are just getting started. What I will recommend for, for people that are kind of just getting started is to set up a savings account um, that kind of runs next to their business account and basically take uh, make make a rule of thumb. In most cases, I say 25% is a good place to start. Um, but take 25% of your income, you know, so your royalties or whatever else you have coming in, and set that aside and just earmark that for taxes. Um, so what's going to happen is that that first year or whatever um, that that you're filing, you're probably going to have a pretty big tax bill, and that tax bill uh is hopefully going to be offset by what you set aside into that savings account and then once you have a year or two under your belt and you kind of have an understanding of what to expect for tax purposes then you can start doing the quarterly estimated taxes um because in most cases there there's probably going to be little or no penalty in the first year or two um that you're getting started for not withholding but once you once you have had a couple of years once you've had a year where you owe a significant amount of taxes, then you can end up with a uh, then you can end up with a with a tax penalty for not withholding enough. At that point, we do recommend, hey, let's set up some quarterly estimated taxes. You can do it right online uh, through IRS.gov. They have a, a payment section where you can you know do your quarterly estimated taxes right online. Which currently, with the pandemic and and the stimulus payments and everything, the IRS isn't really quickly processing mail. So if you mail your quarterly estimated payments, it's definitely very possible right now that they won't be applied uh, quickly or they might be lost, which is, is actually something that we've seen happening. Um, so we do recommend people doing it online when they can. And <clears throat> as far as determining the amount for the estimated, uh, you know, there's a couple ways to do it. We, you know, one way is to just track your income and, and base it based on that. So, you know, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay 25% of my gross income. And that's what I'm going to do each quarter um, and just track it quarterly like that. Or we have clients where we'll give them an estimate uh, when we do their tax return for 2020, we'll give them uh, estimated uh, vouchers so that they can make those payments for 2021 and kind of prescribe it to them. 
Um, that will definitely avoid the penalty. But the problem is if they have a bigger year than they did in 2020, they could still end up owing taxes. So it's definitely, in my opinion, better to kind of use your actual income as you go. Cool. Very helpful there. In terms of, you know, and this kind of applies specifically to U.S. Uh, based, you know, artists and so forth. Let's assume that they make royalties, but they do not receive like a 1099 uh, MISC form that that is noted for royalties. <clears throat> you know, should an artist obviously file? My my answer on that would be yes, but I'm just kind of curious on if you can talk about 1099s and why you know it's important to take those seriously. But then also, if in the event that you do not get a 1099, what do you do with that in that case? Yeah, so according to the IRS, it's every taxpayer's responsibility to report 100% of their income. And that's whether you get a 1099 or not. So the 1099s are kind of the IRS's way of, you know, keeping everybody honest. But, you know, in in, in my world, you know, I would say 50% of my clients that are self-employed either don't get a 1099 when they should, or they don't get them at all. And because they're, because they're working, you know, if you're, if you're a, uh, you know, if you have a company, you know, mowing lawns, for instance, you know, you're not going to, have you ever 1099 your landscaper? I mean, you know, so I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of people that just don't get 1099. So it's, it's always your responsibility as a taxpayer to report hundred percent of your income and not reporting your income accurately um, is really the, it's really the only way to get into big trouble with the IRS. Um, you know, you can, you can have expenses that, you know, that maybe when the IRS audits you, you can't substantiate them and you're not going to go to jail. They're just going to say, well, you owe more tax. But if the IRS finds out that, you know, you didn't report $50,000 of income because you didn't get a 1099, they're not going to care that you didn't get a 1099. So it's important that, that, each, each taxpayer, you know, if we're talking about, you know, recording artists and things like that, um, if you're getting paid by venues that you're performing at, or you're getting paid by, um, you know, you're getting paid by, uh, you know, royalties through, through distribution sources and that kind of thing. Um, if you're not getting the 1099, that's, that's not your problem. That's really, you know, that's the, uh, the company that should be giving you 1099, they're required to do that, but you are required to report all of your income. So that's where it gets really important to have that bank account, that separate bank account where you can really track all of your all of your income and, and use that to report. Certainly. And for folks that are based outside the U.S., obviously, instead of a 1099, you will get a 1042S after you fill out instead of a W-9 a W-A-B-E-N or a W-B-N-B-E-N-E if you're an entity. Um, we can get into international taxes later, but we have some pretty helpful resources on our uh, help desk and so forth when it comes to international in that regard. Um, mm -hmm. Pretty cool, Patrick. You know, so you are also a musician. Um, you know, first off, like, what's it like to be, uh, how, how serious are you taking your musician ship as you are uh, your taxes. I think it's fun for everybody to know a little bit more about what you're doing <laughs> in that regard too. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, so I'm a guitarist and, um, and I, I also dabble with a little bit of, uh, of, you know, music production as well. Um, you know, I've used, I've, I've used Ableton and I've used, um, you know, some, some other uh, like Reaper and some other, uh, you know, DAWs or DAWs, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, um, 
you know, I, I'm, I've never been a professional by, by any stretch of the imagination. You know, I've, I've had a little band before that we would, you know, go out and play just local gigs and stuff. And, you know, so I have been paid to play my music, which does make me a professional musician. There you um, go. But, but yeah, lately since the pandemic, unfortunately, um, you know, I wish I could say that I've been stuck at home with nothing to do, but to, you know, play with my synths and stuff. But unfortunately, um, unfortunately tax season kind of just never ended from when, when, when the pandemic hit. And then we had about a, you know, two month respite with, with the holiday season and then right back at it. So haven't had a whole lot of time to get into it, but, um, but I have been kind of lately playing around with Ableton and, you know, kind of learning some, you know, some techniques and stuff like that. And, you know, then I go on, uh, you know, Reddit or whatever and see what these uh, alleged amateurs are doing and how much better they are than me. And it's pretty disappointing. But um, but but yeah, I guess but strictly speaking, I am a musician. Hey, man. Well, we're all eagerly awaiting the, the material that you'll be producing. And obviously we'll be here to distribute it. That's for sure. I did want to <laughs> ask a little bit more just about <clears throat> the tax life and so forth. I mean, I get really curious, obviously, over, you know, people and what they do and so forth. So. Do you like effectively just dream numbers uh, during this time of the year? And I mean, how crazy does it honestly get for you guys uh, when it comes to tax time? And and I say that so that people can be totally understanding uh, and respectful of your time uh, that you've also shown us too, uh, considering. But I'm just kind of curious, like this is your moment to tell us the, the daily going ons of, of a tax accountant and and how uh, how tedious it can be. I'm just curious. Yeah, man. So um, literally, yes, I do dream numbers during this time of year. Like, I'm not even joking. I wake up in a cold sweat and I'm like, you know, did I, you know, take this deduction on that client's return or whatever? It actually does happen. It's pretty bizarre. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it, it's a crazy time. I mean, it, it's it, it's kind of all I've ever known because I, I kind of graduated college and then went into business with, with my dad doing this. So um, so I kind of, you know, I, I don't know what it's like, you know, to have a, to have another kind of job, but typically with the exception of, you know, since the pandemic started, um, because it's really just been nothing but stuff that affects our business directly. You know, we're, we're helping our clients with PPP loans, with the EIDL, you know, then we have all the individual stuff going on, all the tax law changes and all the relief changes from COVID. So it's just been it's just been really wild, but yeah, I mean, we've been pulling some pretty crazy hours. Um, me and, you know, my partner, Kyle, um, you know, we've been, uh, we've been pretty much at the office from seven to, you know, nine, 10 o'clock at night, you know, just about every day, um, working weekends and everything just to kind of stay on top of it. But I will say that right now we're finally starting to, you know, we're finally starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel as far as uh, tax season goes. So, um, we're still really busy. We're still kind of treating April 15th like like the deadline, you know, because we want to get our lives back, um, you know. So, but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely, uh, it's, it's pretty surreal. And it, and it does, if you let it get stressful to you, um, let it, let it get to you, then, then, then it can get really stressful. But I think um, I'm pretty good at kind of compartmentalizing it. You know, when I go home, I, you know, I got my kids at home and, you know, and, and I just kind of unplug and, just put it out of my mind the best I can. Nice, man. Well, Patrick, man, you know, as usual, you're always helpful. Do you have any 
uh, final words or final thoughts that you want everybody to kind of just uh, just have in their in their minds as it comes to tax prep and so forth? Yeah, I mean, I would say, and and you know, this may seem self-serving, but I've just seen it happen so many times with my clients that are self-employed, especially my creative clients. You know, my clients that aren't you know uh, that aren't numbers people. Um, you know, don't, don't do yourself on TurboTax, you know, find, find somebody that you can trust and form a relationship with a CPA or, or even just a, even just a, a tax preparer, um, that you trust that, that is going to be able to guide you because there's a lot of number one, you know, I've seen some train wrecks come through my office with people that did it on their own through TurboTax or just went to, you know, cheapo tax returns are us and, you know, just, and, and they end up paying way more than they should be, or they end up getting audited and it's just not worth it. Um, you're better off paying a few hundred dollars, you know, to have it done right. And then if you get the right person, they're going to give you advice as you, as you, as your business grows and as your income increases, you know, they're going to advise you, you know, on what kind of retirement plans make sense to set up. They're going to advise you on, you know, ways that you can, that you can avoid a big tax bill and ways that you can, you know, take advantage of the tax law as it is. Um, because the, the, the retail shops and like H and R block and, you know, not to disparage them because they do have a place, you know, in, in the industry. Um, but when you're self-employed, there's too many moving parts and you need someone that knows what they're doing. Um, so that, that would just be my kind of overall advice, uh, you know, to, to your listener base. Nice man. <clears throat> As always, Patrick, he, you know, you've always helped me. You've given me a ton of knowledge and, uh, and guidance over the years. So I'm very personally appreciative of that. Um, I think that last bit of advice, I 100% agree with um, because you can have great dialogues like this to just be able to kind of put it to work and apply it to business and so forth. So I just want to say thank you personally. Thank you for what you do. And uh, I hope that tax season, um, since you're in the thick of it, is not as rough for you this year. And uh, appreciate you, of course, spending time with us today. Yeah, man. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you had me on. And I appreciate it. So since Patrick joined us, obviously, he talked a lot about uh, U.S. domestic taxes, but I didn't want to end this podcast uh, without mentioning a little bit about international for the folks that are listening. So <clears throat> with Symphonic, if you're an international based record label or artist, um, in order for us to pay you royalties, we we'll have to intake a W-A-B-E-N or a W-A-B-E-N-E for entity, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Um, and that essentially means that it's kind of like a W-9 where we will require your tax details in order for us to actually pay royalties. But there's an interesting dynamic that is different for international uh, that is not the same for the U.S. Um, if you are in a country that has a tax treaty with the U.S., such as uh, Germany, for example, um, you won't have any royalties that are uh, withheld, so to speak, um, from the U.S. territory. Um, if you are in a country that doesn't have a tax treaty with the U.S., such as Argentina, there is a portion of your royalties that may be withheld, but I wanted to make a big point that, that should be only U.S.-sourced income and not the entire royalty amount. Um, we've seen a few things online about a couple of distributors that are kind of doing tax withholding in a different way. And, you know, the only withholding that should occur is if any royalties are streamed or any music is streamed from the U.S. territory. So, for example, if you're an Argentina-based artist 
and most of your streams come from Argentina, those streams are not subject to international tax withholding because of the fact that Argentina does not have a tax treaty with the US. It is only any stream that is made uh, from the USA territory on Spotify. So that's a very important point that you wanna make sure that you check with your distributor. Um, Symphonic makes it very, very clear and very, uh, we, we take great pride in ensuring that we do that correctly <clears throat> because what we don't wanna see and, and do is obviously withhold 30% of all the income from all the territories. So that's a very key point. Um, if you check out symphonic.help, we have some great uh, international tax resources and certainly doesn't have, don't hesitate to ask your distributor or any tax accountant within your country for any further questions and guidance on how to handle royalties from the US. So I just wanted to finish off on that topic right there. Thank you all for listening. We hope that all of this uh, information around taxes uh, didn't put you to sleep and was hopefully helpful. <laughs>